there's this couple and they're from Seattle and they won tickets and uh, airfare and hotel to the Super Bowl last year in Arizona. So they go down there and they have a great time. They go to all the events and finally they're at the game, you know, um, Seahawks Patriots, of course. They're at the game and there's um, there's a guy, an old older gentleman sitting in front of them and there's empty seat next to him. And they don't think much of it until uh, the game starts. And then they're wondering, you know, where's the other person? So by halftime, they're so curious. The woman is really curious and just leans over and, and asks uh, the old guy, excuse me, sir, does that seat also belong to you? And the old fellow says, uh, yeah, it does. Uh, my my wife and I always wanted to go to the Super Bowl. We were married for 42 years, and we always wanted to go to a Super Bowl. And we finally saved up enough money for the trip and the tickets and all that. Uh, and we we got, you know, we got ready to go. But uh, unfortunately, she passed away. So the woman says, oh, gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. That's awful. I feel bad. And the guy is still kind of curious about why the empty seat. So he leans over and asks the, the old guy, well, um, since your wife died, wasn't there, you know, uh, a relative or a close friend or somebody that you would have wanted to bring to the game? Like, you know, she would have wanted you to have somebody here, right? And the old fellow says, well, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I didn't not see that coming, actually. Not bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, folks, <laughs> welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. Uh, as always, we are the twice-weekly podcast celebrating... The show The Stranger, recently called A Comedy Phenomenon, Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Bobby Pape, and you just heard Mike Rizell with that setup and punchline for this special Labor Day weekend edition of the show. Usually we bring you a Monday morning recap of the previous week's TBTLs, and we will have a fresh Labor Day morning recap for you out on Monday. But for this Saturday, Labor Day weekend edition of the show, rather than bring in a 10 to be interviewed. We'd hate to put anyone else to work. So instead, Mike and I will dazzle you with some details this evening and bring you an episode about a man who always has to work on Labor Day weekend. Uh, but before we do that, a man who just got home from work, Mike Frizzell. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing, Bobby? You enjoyed the joke, huh? I, I did. And you warned me that it was coming, but I didn't remember it. And I definitely <laughs> would have remembered that. So... Thank you. Thank you yeah, for keeping it dry for me. That one is uh that one's a sure thing. Uh that one I, I've never not gotten a laugh with that joke. So <laughs> folks, steal it, take it, make it your own. It's a That's win. right. You single guys, hold on to that one. That's gonna be valuable. Yeah. So uh like I mentioned, the show's coming out the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. And uh, rather than put anyone to work, we thought we would sit back tonight, just do a quick show for you, and bring back one of our favorite segments that Mike and I were talking about earlier this week. Uh, and that's an interview with William, the Maryland dairy farmer. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I think we could talk a little bit about having shitty jobs where we have to work on <laughs> holidays. Uh, Mike, do people eat pizza on holidays? Uh, yeah, they would if you were open. Um, I mean... Yeah, the the in the pizza business, we're open on pretty much every day except for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, we're open on Easter, and at the at the store that I work at, uh, it's actually in the only uh, fairly Jewish part of town. We our, our restaurant is like right next to the JCC, so um, we're kind of busy on Christmas Eve. We're, so um, I love to work Christmas Eve. I've always loved to work holidays, whether I've had a good job or a terrible job. Um, I think I got into the habit of it because when I was a kid, like when I was 14, 15 and just starting to work, my parents were getting divorced and every family get together was a nightmare. Like 
if, if everyone was getting together, that was bad, or you had to do the separate things where you got to go over to, to this house and you can't talk about dad and you go over to this house, you can't talk about mom. So I got in the habit early of just desperately wanting to work on holidays. <laughs> it's a hard habit to break. I do. I think I work on Easter Sunday just about every year and on Christmas Eve just about every year if I can. Um, I don't have any particularly uh, like good or harrowing stories. It's usually pretty dull. But um, I understand. Now, I, won't, I don't want to say I understand. I know you have a story about working <laughs> on a holiday. Uh, because you told this story on an episode of Takedown that you and I did, and I remember where I was when you told the story. I was in <laughs> Emily's car. Yeah, I was I was in Passat Studios that night, and uh, I would love for you to tell that again. Well, uh, uh, we'll uh, maybe turn this one down for just a few minutes. This is probably not an Aiden-appropriate story. Right. Um but yes, uh, I also worked a lot of holidays, especially in my early college and high school years. Um, I didn't have a divorcing parent situation. My family was just always a shit show for no legitimate reason. <laughs> and working holidays was a good way to get out of going to those things. Yep. Uh, but it was actually the freshman year, uh, my freshman year of college, I was working in Buffalo, but now we're away from home. And I was a shift manager at a popular local coffee shop. Uh, and Easter is one of those holidays that that I think a lot of things stay open for, even though they might close for Thanksgiving yeah. and for Christmas. And mm -hmm. so I took the hit uh, and was the shift manager for an Easter day. It was a pretty slow day because the location that I worked in was sort of in downtown Buffalo. And, you know, if you're not down there for work and you're not going out in the evening to the bars, you're just not getting a lot of foot traffic in that neighborhood. Uh, but, of course, that part of town is always a hit with, um, well, with the bums and sort of, mm -hmm. you know, people who don't have anywhere better to be. Um, I always hoped it would be romantic, like the Holiday Inn, like the movie, not the hotel chain. But uh, no, no, it was just, you know, uh, a few. Oh, people... oh you, you, what you mean is, is like um, some fancy people that just don't have anywhere to go get together and have sparkling conversation and hook up. That's my dream. That's what I want all holidays to be like. Instead uh, and, of public urinators, wall to wall. Right. So here's the thing when you work at a coffee shop, especially when you're a shift manager and you work with a lot of, you know, young, artsy, hipstery chicks, uh, you have to sort of become the enforcer of the bar all mm -hmm. the time or coffee shop or whatever. Um, and so middle of the afternoon, I'm the only guy working. I'm behind the counter. There's a few people in this place. And so if you picture it, it's very uh, Central Perk-esque, uh, the mm -hmm. big mugs of coffee. There's a couple of different <laughs> the rooms, the big bowls. Yeah. And there's lots of couches everywhere that are cool uh, and hip and a little dirty because, you know, people sit on them all the time and spill shit. And <clears throat> Uh, a patron comes up to me and just says, um, there's this guy acting really funny in the other room and he's out of my line of sight from behind the counter. And it's like I said, it's like three or four in the afternoon on Easter Sunday. And I go over into the other room and I see this guy and uh, he's sort of wearing some, some baggy clothes and sort of an overcoat. And there's just a lot of movement going on on the couch. Mm -hmm. And as I get closer you know exactly where the movement is coming from. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he's got this sort of crinkled, wadded up uh, uh, European, non-English, oddly hardcore porno magazine uh, sort of laid out in front of him. And he is just going to town. And he's not even trying to finish at least i don't think so because he was there for a while uh-huh and uh i i just you know there's no patience at that point i just had to yell at this guy and there's almost uh -huh. no one else there except for this mortified woman you know this mortified woman in her 30s who's just absolutely disgusted and beside herself and uh sure enough he gets up what, and, was and, this guy was this guy a regular bobby was he someone that you knew he wasn't anyone I recognized, um, but okay. he certainly looks like someone who might be sort of loitering out and around pretty regularly. And mm -hmm. Buffalo has enough of them. And you do know 
some of them. Like there's always the guy who wants to shine people's shoes. Uh, for a while while I was working there, there was the girl who would pickpocket people while giving them big hugs. Okay. Uh, but this guy wasn't one of our regulars. Um, my guess is that he gets thrown out of a lot of places and we were just next on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and also in that neighborhood, we were one of the only things open that day. So we were taking all uh, people. Is it possible that he'd read some sort of Yelp review that said that public masturbation was welcome in your establishment? I, <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, a negative review that it was encouraged by other people. Now, um, <laughs> you know, it is that kind of place where the staff was a little bit rude and you paid extra for that privilege. You know, yeah. they were cooler than you. And I don't know mm -hmm. how I ever really got this job, except that I had managed at another coffee shop before. And I think they thought it would be nice to have at least one employee who knew what the fuck they were doing. Right. But, um, right. you know, we had that kind of reputation. So, you know, he just added a little bit of that urban color for these <laughs> other sheltered people to spice up their Easter Sundays. And yes, um, thankfully, I didn't get a really good look at what was going on. I saw some moving hand. My eyes went away. Um, it's so just you like can't lock tell me whether he had reached, he was reaching into his trousers or whether, whether he had freed his unit and was openly. Uh, I could see enough of his hand to think that it was around something. Oh, Okay. But uh, I didn't get a good enough, you know, like I said, there was a big coat involved. So there was kind of some flapping in the wind. <laughs> so so you yelled at him. He he got up, said he was sorry. You guys shook hands and he walked out. Right? Yeah. I, I offered him some Purell. Um, uh, now, what really happened was uh, I yelled at him, startled him. He jumped up, kind of wrapped himself around in his coat and sort of waddled away out the door. Um, but he did leave us a souvenir in the form of this gross porno magazine. Oh man. If, if this had happened today, we would have had all kinds of pictures of that thing. Right. Exactly. That would have been great. But this was, uh, I think I stole it a flip phone. Uh, <laughs> and hey, there, there is no, there is no porn that I have not seen. I was in prison. I don't know if you knew this, but Wait, what <laughs> I had a Sally, my first Sally at, uh, at Sheridan, his name was Todd, and he he was a freak. I mean, he's a good-looking kid, real nice kid. Uh, he was a heroin addict, but when he was in prison, he was clean for the most part. But he had a thing. He had, he was a sex addict, and so he could tell me stories all night about the worst women that he'd been with because he would sleep with any woman. It didn't matter. Right. You know, he would just walk down the street and sleep with and, and screw a homeless woman. Sorry, Aiden, but – this is Todd. So he had a porn collection that I would actually look at if I needed to cool off. He, the, 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 the best one that he had was called uh, Big Mama Jamma. And uh, it was a magazine. It was all about this really large African-American woman. Every picture was of her. She was probably 400 pounds. And my favorite picture, the one, the one that could – get me off of masturbating for a month if i saw it was one of uh she had one breast she couldn't have both of them draped over the car window because the, the, her chest was too big so she had draped one breast over there and there was clearly a mark toward the top of her breast where a cigarette had been put out at one point <laughs> so it was like an extra dark nipple in the wrong place oh. and so that I bet I could make the most of that Eastern European magazine because after Bad Mama Jamma or Big Mama Jamma, I can't remember which one it was, um, just about anything else was a pleasure to look at. I tell you what, after the show, I'll pull up an incognito window and see if I can figure it out. <laughs> um, oh, God bless incognito. <laughs> you know, and I said Eastern European, and this is because I, I worked with someone because, of course, I made everyone come over and see it before we threw it out. Um Actually, not even the most disgusting thing I ever had to throw out at that coffee shop, but we will save that for oh, a pre good teaser, buddy. Of that. <laughs> um, I had someone who thought it looked like Ukrainian. Uh -huh. uh, and it wasn't that the content looked particular. We didn't go flipping pages. We sort of looked at it where it laid. It was like a crime scene. We didn't touch mm -hmm. until we were ready to bag and tag. Sure. But uh, 
it, it wasn't that the porno was particularly aggressive or extreme so much as we just weren't sure how he would have gotten his hands on a Ukrainian porno yeah. mag. Like, mm-hmm. it's one thing for him to go into one of the stores in the neighborhood and get something conventional. Uh, but, you know, I don't even know where the closest Ukrainian <laughs> deli is, let alone the closest Ukrainian porn shop. Oh, or, I mean, he would have had to break into Sheridan to get into Todd McMichael's box <laughs> of porn, and he wasn't going to do that. I like to think that this guy, you know, saved up his pennies from panhandling to get a P.O. box so that he could mail order custom porn. <laughs> That's fabulous. So on that note, uh, we were we were talking yesterday about uh, what we were going to do, and um, there was a segment uh, called What Are You Doing Here that they did a few times where they would talk to somebody about what they did when they listened to TBTL. And one of the first ones they did was with William. Uh, he was a um, dairy farmer for a place called Shore Dairy in Maryland. And he came on for, I think it was about a half hour, and he was one of the most interesting people they've ever had on, celebrity or not. Um, and he had a lot to say. I mean, he was, oh, well, why don't we just uh, why don't we just play it, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Do you have anything else to set it up, Bobby? Uh, no, we're just going to go from my Easter afternoon <laughs> porno story to an interview <laughs> with one of the most wholesome people ever featured on TBTL. Yeah, yeah, good dude. This is uh, TBTL. I'm Andrew Walsh. Uh, I'm Luke Burbank. All right, let's uh, let's get to our uh, our special guest here. It's listener William. He's out somewhere in uh, Maryland. Let's see if this works. Uh, William, come in. William, hey, can, can you, you hear us? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Where are you in Maryland? Okay. Well, I'm in a hay barn, technically. <laughs> you are actually in a hay barn. Yeah, I'm actually I'm sitting on a bale of straw. I am uh, on the eastern shore of Maryland in a small town called Tudlersville. Did you grow up there? I did. And you're a dairy farmer. Is that a family business? It is. It is. Uh, my father started the business. My grandfather uh, tried milking cows for a little bit of time when my dad was young, I guess right at an impressionable age uh, when he was a teenager. It didn't last long for my grandfather. But uh, it left my my dad with kind of a desire to be in this business, and he passed it down to me. Did you have any thoughts of doing something else when you were like a teenager, or did you always figure you were going to go into this? No, uh, I was fascinated with getting out for a little bit. Uh, I'm a kind of a student of history uh, in the world, I guess. I was, uh, as a younger person, pretty politically motivated. Um, I thought, I guess... Like we all do at some point that we're all going to change the world, but uh, ultimately I was looking for a, a safe, quiet place to get married and raise a family, and uh, there's not too much better place than a dairy farm. So uh, how many cows do you have? Well, uh, we're, mil- we're milking about 140. Uh, if you count our calves and young stock and, and cows that aren't milking, uh, they usually total around 250. How much? How many gallons of milk does that create in a given, I don't know, month? Well, on our end, uh, the wholesale business, we sell our milk is picked up every forty-eight hours uh, by a tanker truck, and we rate it in pounds. So we're making uh, usually sixteen thousand to eighteen thousand pounds every two days. So nine thousand pounds a day, a gallon being, I guess, eight point six pounds. So. Somebody can do the math if they're interested. <laughs> yeah, you might, you're also apparently a student of math because I couldn't even have gotten it down to that <laughs> that much. Yeah, so, you, you might want to rewind that if you're interested in the gallon. Is this um? Does that make you guys a pretty big uh, dairy farm, or medium, or small? It makes us average. Average. It makes us exactly average for the Mid Atlantic region of the United States. It makes us small by Western standards, which is where the larger uh, dairies are. Um, we're kind of in that neck of the woods where there's a lot of Amish operations, which are extremely small. You're talking 30 to 60 cows. So that 140, 150 range is, uh, I guess, average for, I guess, what you call English speakers. So we, with all of the cows you have, I take it that um, there's very little actual milking by hand going on anymore? Uh, yeah, there's none. 
at this point. Do the Amish do that, and do they just like look? At, do they just shoot daggers at you as they're hand milking their cow when you have all your English uh, mechanisms going on? I, I mean, the English and, and Amish have been working side by side in agriculture for so long at this point. Uh, I don't think anybody's trying to influence one culture or the other. And we should clarify that the English is the is the term that Amish folks tend to use for people who are non-Amish, right? That's correct. So when's the last time you actually milked a cow with your hands? Well, I milk cows twice a day, every day. If you're asking when the last time I milked a cow by hand was, uh, it was roughly a month ago when I had a cow who had just delivered a calf, mm. and I didn't feel she didn't have uh, the exact perfect delivery. And when they go through something like that, we don't ask them to, answer, to enter a regular milking structure. I try and keep them in what we call a hospital pen. It's a place where we care for them individually. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother and I took care of, of her milk and needs uh, by hand. Do you feel a really strong connection to these animals? I mean, do you have an, an affection for them on an individual basis because you work with them so much? You know, occasionally, if you're watching you know, Inside Edition or some other terrible television, you'll see one of those. I think you need to update. Uh, I don't know what's going on in the farm, Will, but I, I think you got to update your terrible TV. Is Inside Edition? edition I don't even longer. know if that's on anymore. Well, I, I know what you're I guess saying. You can though. tell how big a fan I was. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, okay, you're saying if you're watching a bad TV show, what? You'll you'll see one of those undercover videos of like a packing house where a cow was being, you know, improperly handled. And I mean, while that's about as thankless a job as it gets, I, I still have little mercy for people who don't understand that there is a right and a wrong way to do things and like okay we'll take this cow for example um odds are great that i i birthed this cow by hand like i was present at the delivery of this calf and probably wasn't involved in it in in most cases and i'll feed that calf all day every day for two years before she even begins to produce milk i, I will have you know, artificially inseminated this cow, I mean, through, you know, my own industry techniques, and I will have created her calf and then her whole ability to produce milk, and then I will have continued to feed and also milk and handle this cow her entire life, I mean, until the end of her productive career, where the, the fact is I just can't uh, be of any benefit to her anymore, and then and she moves on to her final sacrifice, which is to provide in our food chain. When I think, when I see people inappropriately handling an animal, I think they don't know that. You know, they don't understand the amount of time and effort that I've, I've put into raising this creature since it was it was a small animal. And sometimes it gets, I mean, I get a little edgy when I, when I see people like, you know, animal rights people talking about their feelings and beliefs on this. But they don't come to me, mm -hmm. and I raised that animal. You know, let's get. I, I would, I would, I would want to get my opinion out there, a little more often than I'm asked. Well, how did you, William, uh, end up hearing about TBTL all the way out there in Maryland? From page of iTunes. Really? Yeah. So that I worked, saw, huh? Uh, you know, a title, "Beautiful to Live," and of course, you with that kind of tongue-in-cheek picture, that infamous picture, and I thought. You know, look at this knucklehead. What's he got to say? I got to find out. <laughs> Not much. Turns out nothing. <laughs> Not much, as you now well know. Wow. Well, that, I'm so glad that you tracked us down through that. And then do you listen to, I mean, is that uh, something you listen to when you're out kind of working with the cows or when you're doing your work, or do you listen to it later on? When do you hear the show? Well, my day works like this. Uh, my alarm goes off about 4.15, um, every, you know, pretty much every day, uh, Christmas, my birthday, my anniversary, seven days a week. We get up and, and put our boots on and get to work. It's just the uh, reality of the business. Um, I head out on a four-wheeler. I, I heard the cows in and off faster. And uh, I get, we have a couple employees. I get them started milking. And then I hop in the tractor and I start making feed for the cows, mixing the various ingredients and stuff. And at that time, when I'm in the tractor and I'm by myself, I throw in the headphones. And by and large, you guys are on. I, I mean, in the morning... I wake up, you know, pretty much to TBTL, and I appreciate what you guys do in that you keep me kind of involved and conscious 
of the world around me, but at the same time, it's kind of lighthearted and, and easy to take. And that's pretty rare that you get a, you know, a comedy program that that does those things with also out de- you know, without degrading the subject of fun, if you know what I mean. What else do you listen to? Do you listen to a lot of other podcasts or, or radio shows, or do you listen to a lot of music when you're out there? You know what's great is I think a couple of times this week you've mentioned the Don and Mike show, and I've noticed. Oh man, those guys are great. Up. But Mike O'Mara is doing his own thing on MikeO'MaraShow.com, and it's a great podcast, and it's pretty much you and him. And I'm just looking for things that because performing itself is kind of isolating mm. because I'm here on this property for work, for my meals, I mean, with my family. I see a very small group of people, so I'm kind of looking constantly for something that keeps me engaged in the world around me. So with you and them, uh, I get that. And this whole medium of podcasting, I'm just very appreciative of, I guess, if, if I had to sum it up. Um, are you happy with your with your choice to um, to be a dairy farmer and to live this life, even though it's a little bit um, it is a little isolating, as you said? I would say I became happy with it when I had children. It was tough as a as a younger person because the lore kind of. I mean, I, I don't even know if it works this way, but when you watch a, a movie, it's like you know you're supposed to hang out with the bros and. Know, do the thing and and go out to the bars and whatnot. And the kid who gets up at four thirty in the morning doesn't go out to bars till the middle of the night. He just doesn't. Yeah. Do your kids so like con- living out there? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was curious how your kids like living out there. How old are they? Well, I I have come to enjoy what I do through their eyes because to a kid it's it's all quite magical with the, seeing a calf being born and raised and getting to feed it and to be here with Dad and do things and to ride the four-wheelers in the fields and, you know, take the pickup out and, and just ride around the property and, and see the deer and, and whatnot. And um, the, the big bulk of my enjoyment comes through their eyes and also that of, you know, my wife, who I'm lucky, was willing to adopt this lifestyle despite not being from it. How did you guys meet? A fix up. Who fixed you up? Uh, my brother and and his current wife, which I'm appreciative of because, you know, to find a person who understands that, you know, in its most basic sense, I'm going to be at work seven days a week, sixteen hours a day, but can see the virtue of, you know, what we're going to be together for three meals a day. We're going to raise kids. I'm going to be honest to you. We're gonna we're gonna work hard. We're gonna do this thing together. Sometimes I wonder how many people, how many women are still looking for that. You know, was this kind of like almost a borderline arranged marriage? Well, I would say if I didn't have help in finding her, it would have been terrible, difficult to find it on my own. Would you ever have considered trying to get an Amish girl to marry you? Because that sounds like you're. Are you one of the few English people out there? Uh, I mean, there's. It's a complicated question. I have good relations uh, with the Amish, as, as you know, in dealings because our paths just cross uh, so very often in this trade. Yeah, what are they like, by the way? You wrote this really funny email, which reminded me because I knew you were out there. Because we'll talk about it in a minute. I was taking a shot at the dairy industry as trying to produce uh, or promote milk as health food, and mm-hmm. you sent me a message saying I will stand up for that, which makes sense. But then you sent me this other email that I thought was so hilarious. You said, I saw fat, sick, and nearly dead just over a year ago. I tried the juicing thing, and it didn't stick. It sucked because I had told a lot of people, one of whom was Amish. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was really funny, but also I thought, you are you know, you interact with Amish people a lot. I mean, are they, you know, what are they like? They're very, they're all unique. It's a big, it's a large culture, especially we deal, like in Maryland, uh, I mean, we're pretty populous with Baltimore and Washington so a lot of our ag supplies come out of Pennsylvania, where the large Amish community is, and um, they have their uniquenesses from person to person, just like anybody does. They have the, a basic, defined structure where they will not drive a car, they will not have electric in the home, but other than that, they have varying senses of humor, they have varying desires for their life. Uh, 
different goals and the you know senses of what the world is around them. You really got to get to know them on a person-to-person basis, and uh, it's a lot of fun to be honest with you. They can be some extremely intelligent and witty people, uh, and I you know I'm grateful for my relations with them. You just don't want to tell them you're going on a juice diet if you don't stick with it. <laughs> yeah, you know I don't invite them to the casino. Um, Okay, now on to the other thing, William. Um, So I was – and I feel now very sheepish because talking to you, you're obviously such a cool guy, and this is your whole industry. So the last thing I'd want to do is make make, uh, your life harder. But the thing I was saying some weeks ago was like I think milk is delicious. I love cheese so much. I love dairy products. I consume tons of them in my normal life when I'm not on one of these ridiculous diets. But to me, the notion that it's health food or that it's particularly healthy for you, I I don't know – I wondered if that was something that the dairy industry just had kind of managed to get slipped through somewhere. Um, what, 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 you, what do you say about that? Well, I took uh, severe umbrage when you said <laughs> – you quoted the Wall Street but you Journal. Kept, but you kept listening, and I really appreciate that about you, William. I'm, I'm also true. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> you said that the Wall Street Journal had published an article that dairy consumption was down uh, over 30% since five. My retort to you was, do you, are you, do you think people are more fit uh, since 1975? Right. Now, let me yeah. just, because your phone, let me say, William, your phone was a little dodgy there. So what you were saying was, I cited a survey that found that dairy consumption is has been dropping off for years and years. And you're saying, uh, yeah, but that also correlates with an increase in how fat and unhealthy we are. Yeah. And I believe the difference is that uh, people don't want flavorless food. We've, our country has had this war on fat for so long because we correlate fat in our food with us ourselves being overweight. I don't believe that's entirely accurate because when you pull uh, fat out of food, which dairy has fat, you know, I'm not going to lie to that. I mean, we've done a lot as an industry to create low-fat offerings for the public, but you replace that flavor with sugar, and everything we've seen with sugar and and even low-calorie sweeteners, has said, our body does not handle this well at all. We are not evolutionarily uh, evolved to handle this. Yeah. And we've seen a rapid rise in diabetes. I mean, us removing dairy from our diet has created an entire second career for Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. With the hey, you ever oh, want to you ever want to host a podcast? Let yeah. me know. Hey, you know what? It took me a long time to get here. Don't try and d- d- knock me off uh, this podcast so that you can be Luke's uh, partner. Um, you know, I, I'm I will, a big wall guy. I will say, <laughs> there's one of them. I will say, William, though, totally in dovetailing with what you're saying, and I, I think I do think you're certainly right um, in a certain way, which is that there was a period of time in this country when everybody ate like. I mean, everybody who could afford to anyway would have at dinner a some kind of a meat thing, some kind of a starch thing, some kind of a vegetable thing. If they were having breakfast or lunch, they'd probably have a big glass of milk. They were all having all of this stuff that now we are not supposed to have anymore, and very few of them were enormously fat. And I think part of it was yeah. because they they didn't have like they didn't have six six times the amount of whatever that thing is than they needed. And because they were all – most of them were doing stuff – a lot of people, I should say more people were doing stuff every day as part of their job that was probably somewhat physical. Yes, I They were just walking more. They were just – they were just moving around more. Things were just more of a hassle to do. So everybody was just getting more movement in their life. But I I think you're right because now we – we've become basically um, unfortunately like in the movie Mm WALL-E. We've become these – these corpulent folks who don't move around enough, we have to try to take all this other stuff out and see that as the enemy when really we need to just work on portion size. We need to just figure out somehow how to transport our brains back to 1940 when everybody was eating pretty much anything they wanted and where they were pretty much fine. Well, you know what? You you hit the nail on the head. Somebody, and I can't attribute this to me, but someone told me if you could eat like your grandparents, you would be much better off. And if you could imagine taking your grandmother by the hand into today's grocery store and finding a pack of Go-Gurt and saying, Grandma, <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to take this plastic tube, you're going to rip the top off of it, and then squirt its contents into <laughs> your mouth, and that's going to satisfy your craving for a snack. You know, that wouldn't go over very well. She'd wash your mouth what, out with soap, probably. Exactly. And so what I would say to people is when you sit down to dinner, ask yourself, 
okay, so I'm going to take a certain amount of, of calories into my body. And I, you know, and I believe in calorie counting. Uh, you know, I try to take care of myself since I've turned 30 and, and had children and gotten married. And, you know, my life has kind of slipped away from me. But <laughs> Out there on the what hay bale. What I people is, is saying, listen, I've got to take this into my body. I'm going to ask myself uh, just a couple questions. What am I eating? Why am I eating it? And do I know where it came from? And if I'm going to take those calories into my body, I want to also know that they're derived from some type of nutrition. And what we've seen most recently is that dairy products do a great job of keeping us fairly fit and that the calcium itself does an excellent job of breaking down fat cells specifically, which we've been looking for for a long time, something that would target those fat cells. And it doesn't seem like you can get that through calcium supplements because the magnesium and phosphorus and various other vitamins in dairy work, you know, in conjunction with that calcium to really do what we need our bodies to do. We've been consuming these products for eons at this point, and our body knows how to to do it. So having a Diet Coke versus a glass of milk, to me, you know, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. You make a very compelling... Make a very very compelling argument, William. So I take it back, and I mean that genuinely. I think. Oh, I appreciate that. I think I um and and listen. I'm also one of the people who's helping keep your industry in business because I, there's nothing that I love more than sour cream and cheese and other delicious dairy related things. I feel like well, we thank you much for your patronage. <laughs> I do feel though, like to just to follow up on that, not to put you on the spot about it, but I think. What a lot of people would say about you know the natural stuff we put in our bodies versus the the unnatural stuff we put in our bodies is some people would say, but the milk we drink today in many cases is different than the milk that our grandparents drank because of hormones and stuff like that. What do you think about well, that? And I don't know what goes. I mean, I have no idea how your process goes, but you know other milk producers as well. Okay, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. In the late '80s and throughout the the '90s, um, word got around that the dairy industry was allowing, and the FDA also was allowing us to inject their dairy cattle with a hormone that created them or or allowed them to produce vast more quantities of milk than they were naturally capable of doing. And the issue within the industry was that we proved that to be scientifically and medically safe. Now, I never used it, and I never would, because my angle was it does not matter if it's medically and scientifically safe, we are providing a product to consumers, and they are overwhelmingly telling us they do not want it. So why would we willingly go out and tarnish our own image and industry just because we have been able to scientifically prove that it is safe? We're not in that business of of proving to the public that we know more than you. That's not our goal. Our goal is to provide a healthy, nutritious product to the public that they're willing to buy. So what happened uh, about three to four years ago, as you saw from your major retailers, your Walmarts, uh, all your major grocery stores, that they were coming to the dairy industry and saying, we think we can sell more milk if we can tell people that you are not still practicing this practice by and large. And the other problem was, like our milk, which we never added hormones, other dairies were, and it was all getting commingled, so oh. we couldn't tell people that it wasn't. Mm. Oh, wow. So these large retailers, and, I, and you know, a lot of times, you know, I mean, we're pretty quick to get on them, but in this case, they were a real engine for social change where they said, our consumers are telling us they don't want this, and we're going to quit buying it from you if you don't remove it. But I would guess in your... In, Almost anywhere in the country, if you go to the store and buy a gallon of milk, you're good to go. There's nothing in there. The cow has not had anything more than the feed she has ingested to produce that milk. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know. William, listen, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time today. And uh, this is great because we're going to kick off this thing. We did it years ago, and we're bringing it back where we want to talk to TBTL listeners about what they do while they listen to the show. Although you've set the bar pretty high, so everybody else, you better have something cool and interesting like dairy farming. Uh, well, when you, when there's you tell not us what very you many of us left, so I wouldn't yeah. bank on that. Well, listen, thanks for, uh, thanks for keeping the tradition alive out there, and thanks so much for listening to the show. I'm really glad you looked us up on iTunes.
Okay, I appreciate it. Hey, keep drinking the juice, wear the suit, it's good to go. <laughs> it's all happening. 2013's a good year for self-improvement. All right, thanks, man. Bye, you well, too. Yeah. Have a, have a great day. Later. So, Bobby, where do you stand on milk? I don't like it. Sorry, William. Uh, I just never, never drank, you know, milk growing up. Uh, it's terrible to say. Thank God my mother doesn't listen to this, but we were a Coca-Cola family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and water, you know, bottled water, tap water, uh, fancy fizzy water now that I'm a an adult. <laughs> um, but I just don't do a lot of it. I love the cheese. You know this about me. Mm-hmm. It's not a dairy aversion. Uh, no. But something about milk just doesn't. And, you know, I, we were talking about this earlier. It's a tie-in. I worked in coffee for years. Uh, but I was never a latte, cappuccino, steamed milk drink drinker. I've always been a black coffee or Americano drinker with no cream. Uh, but don't don't order don't order a regular in uh, in New England or you'll get right get cream, cream and, and sugar, sugar right? assholes. Um, <laughs> look, I'm still mad about the Tom Brady thing this week, so I can't even. Oh man, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that on the recap, I think. Right. Oh, it, it'll be unavoidable. Um, yeah, I just don't do it. I mean, I like ice cream. I have a weird thing about. Um, flavors that go with dairy and flavors that don't so like fruit flavors and things like that anything that i would think would make dairy curdle i don't want Hmm. with dairy i don't know i'm just i'm funny about that chocolate chocolate and dairy sure um and you know fruit sauce on ice cream i guess is fine i like strawberry ice cream Um, but i'm very picky about when i want dairy and when i don't and yeah, a uh, little bit of milk on cereal once in a while, maybe once a year a glass with some cookies. That's it. Well, I'm I'm coming to the defense of milk. I'm a I'm a milk fan, not as much as my brother who still drinks milk with every meal, at age uh, almost fifty five now, still drinking milk at every meal. So I don't think that's ever going to stop for him. I always have milk in the fridge. I will drink milk two or three times a week at least. A lot more these days because I haven't been eating that much. Um, and and here's the thing, when when we were in Seattle together, you and me, Bobby, at the Comfort Inn in yes. uh, Mill Creek slash Bobby, <clears throat> that that night I, we shared, <laughs> you you delivered to me two, um, what was it three? I can't remember. At least two containers of something called coffee milk, but the, the not the coffee milk, the coffee milk mix. Right, um, and that's just just like a chocolate milk thing. If you want to imagine, um, you know how you fix your chocolate milk, you have the little plastic container, you squeeze in some, and then you stir it up and drink it. And I'd never had it before. I think we'd talked about it, and then I was curious, and you brought it to me. And I don't know if I had any while we were there, but when I got home, I quickly started drinking some of that almost every day. And fast forward to fairly recently. Um, Emily was having her the health scare that we've been going through. And, you know, everyone always offers, you know, they say, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? And and you were a guy who actually had something that you could do for me <laughs> because <laughs> because you asked and I said, well, another another container of coffee milk mix would be would be most welcome. And I think it showed up like that afternoon by a drone. <laughs> so I've been enjoying that. I think I have at least half of that left but um that stuff is delicious folks if you can get hold of coffee milk what I, how i would describe the flavor it doesn't taste like coffee it tastes like haagen coffee ice cream um and here's more accurately what it tastes like is if you get out a pint of haagen coffee ice cream and then you get distracted and it sits out for three hours um and you went back and just said ah, oh, what the hell and drank it that's what it tastes like and let me tell you, that is goddamn delicious. So thank you, Bobby, for the coffee milk. Now, I noticed that this, the stuff you sent this last time is a different brand. still tastes like exactly the same to me. But is that because that brand was the one available on Amazon? Well, actually, um, right, that's the brand that I was able to have Jeff Bezos drop off at your house that afternoon. <laughs> right. Personally. He flew out there yeah. on his jet. That's how it got there that day. That's customer service from our Pretty friends amazing. at Amazon. Um, yeah, some, someone had to work a weekend to make that happen, but I'm glad that they did. Yeah. Oh, um, God. 
that's for one person to get mad at me after this post. Yeah, because um, Moyers doesn't listen to this one. Right. <laughs> um, that's actually the OG brand. That's Autocrat. Uh, it's and something so, else. And uh, the first one that I gave you was a different brand, but it's actually now owned by the same company and bottled in the same plant. And I would bet if you poured them out side by side, they're exactly the same, just in different bottles. Yeah, I, I can't tell the difference. Um, no. I always think of the episode of The Simpsons where they go on the tour of the uh, the Duff Brewery and they're showing all of the different um, bright tanks of all the different beers and they're all just coming out of one giant tap at the top that just spreads out into the different flavors. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. what that's what they're pulling is that they're private labeling like four different brands, but um, it's just all the same syrup because all it is is condensed, sweetened coffee. Um, and Autocrat also makes... Uh, whole bean and ground coffee that you can buy here. It's okay, mm. but the syrup is better. Uh, yeah. But they they were like the local coffee company, just like um, every city had its brewery back in the day. Er, you know, everyone has their local coffee roastery because it's one of those things where it's cheaper, at least it used to be, to just roast it here than it would be to roast it somewhere and then ship it with a shorter shelf life. Mm. Um, and so it wasn't fancy. It just was what it was. Uh, but coffee milk, as you described it, is actually the state drink of Rhode Island. And if you go into a restaurant, it's going to be right with the chocolate milk and hot chocolate on the sort of beverages kids like section of the menu everywhere. Well, count count me as a 50-year-old kid because that stuff is delicious. Do you partake at all? Yeah, once in a while. Um, we've got a bottle in the house. And if I'm going to have a glass of milk, especially if it's not with you know, some cookies or yeah. something, then that's, the yeah, way to you got to go with straight, straight milk. If you get some, uh, right. got some baked goods. Um, but there's a diner just a couple of blocks down the street from here that we'll walk down to for breakfast once every couple of weeks. And, um, you know, that's the place to get a coffee milk cause they stir it up and give it to you in one of those plastic Cambro glasses. And they probably oh, only yeah. have whole milk. So you're basically just drinking dessert. <laughs> I know you're drinking some melted ice cream. It's fantastic. <laughs> yep. Uh, I wanted to take a couple of notes from the show. I know we're not really sure. going to break it down like we normally do with a guest, but I went back and listened to it this morning. Um, and there were just a couple of things that jumped out at me and you can just chime in if you want. Sure. Uh, the one was that Luke, uh, sort of jokingly admonished William for his dated trash TV references because William referenced inside edition. Oh yeah. Still a thing. <laughs> Inside really? Edition is still around, according to Wikipedia. Um, I haven't seen it for a long time, but it's apparently still going. So uh, there's that. It, it's a current affair that that's no longer around, right? right? Remember that one? Yep. Yes, that one's long gone. Uh, also, you know, he talked. He just called bullshit on Luke's diets, basically, and said that if we all looked <laughs> like our grandparents. <laughs> And just worked harder, yeah. then we'd be fine. I actually really appreciated that. I, I'm not going to do it, but I appreciated it. And then right before the end of the show, I think, he got in his good one-liner. Uh, and it was something to the effect of uh, us removing dairy from our diet has created an entire second career for Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> right. Right. That tickled I, me. He was funny and he was really smart. And and one of the things that um, that I, I wanted to check on, too, because, you know, he was defending milk and its nutritional value as opposed to all the other bullshit that we are drinking. Um, I wanted to make sure that uh, that he was still skinny because, you know, I wanted his argument <laughs> to hold up. So I went to his Twitter account, which is at Shore Dairy, and we followed each other for a long time now. And uh, there's a picture of him with like um, – one of his kids in his lap or something. And he is fit, ladies and gentlemen. So get on the milk tip. <clears throat> William is as fit a guy as I've uh, seen on, uh, as he's probably the most fit guy I stalked on Twitter today. Probably today. Yeah. Top 10. Probably, yeah. At least um, his life is basically an ad for farmers only.com. Oh, I know. Yeah. You, were you thinking of, the, of that too? When, yeah. when if he hadn't gotten fixed up, he would have, he would be on farmers.com right now if he hadn't got fixed up with his wife. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just such a charming 
Nice fella. It's a shame that the what are you doing here segment only lasted like three times. Yeah. It was always good. You well, know? we're we're just, you know, that's what that's what the little red bandwagon is for, to talk to the, the people. Except tonight, because it's a weekend and it's a holiday. <laughs> and there are probably at least a hundred tens that have fascinating things that they do while they listen to the show. Um me, I go to coffee shops and look at Ukrainian porn, but you know, that's me. That's how I meet people. Right. People who tell you to never come back. <laughs> right. Right. And that's why I'm not allowed back in the children's museum. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, I think that, that was also note. a joke for that was also a joke for one person. Hi, Emily. Uh, you all know how to get involved, so why don't we just say go to littleredbandwagon.com, go to the Facebook page, it's Little Red Bandwagon, Google Little Red Bandwagon, you'll find all the others. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and am I Christy tonight? Yeah, That's yeah, the you're, deal? you're the nice lady, yeah. All right, well, do you have anything before I do my Christy bit? No, no, but, you know, I feel weird putting you in the nice lady role because you've been quite discourteous to me on a number of occasions lately. <laughs> well, I guess I, I'll let it slide. I know you're going through a lot right now, and I just feel like everybody's being really nice to you, and <laughs> someone has to remind you that you're still kind of an asshole. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's a reality check every week with you, Bobby. I, st I forgive you anything. I don't know what it is. I, I guess I just like you, and I just don't like Jeremy. So Jeremy could act like a perfect angel for weeks, and I still hate his guts. But you, I've got a soft spot for you, buddy. This really is an episode of the Takedown Podcast. <laughs> It really is. We've told some gross, really gross stories. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry for what just happened here. Uh, tune in Monday morning for a fresh, full recap of this week's TBTLs uh, with the three of us uh, being in check instead of what whatever yeah. this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's If you have to spend your Labor Day milking cows, throw on the recap. Hi, William. Uh, throw, on the, throw on the recap and... And just enjoy uh, about three hours of us talking about three hours of TVT. Yeah. Uh, and with that, uh, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. And also, never wait for